Welcome to the ins and outs of selling a business featuring Keith D, a presentation of Osage Advisors. Hello, so welcome back to the show. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network with Keith D. Perd, normal Keith, of course, the president of Osage Advisors. This is the uh, fourth in the series of the, the podcast so far. And so far, so good, I would say. Keith, you're feeling good about it? Very much enjoying it, Dave. I hope the uh, audience and the subscribers are in, enjoying it as well. Just want to provide as much detail and information as possible regarding uh, business we're looking to sell. And I think it's a lot of great information, but also a particular insight into the way you operate at Osage Advisors, which is what you don't, you wouldn't necessarily commonly get from just glancing at a website or something of that nature. So today we're going to talk about motivations of buyers. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording, but it's something that's going to be on the mind of a seller, maybe not the first thing. And you talk people through why it's important to get the reason behind the motivation of the particular buyer. Yes, that's right, Dave. I think it's, we talked about seller motivations earlier on, and I think the first episode, but as we start talking to buyers, it's important for our clients to know why they want to buy my company. What are they bringing to the table? I've grown this thing over the last, you know, decade or more, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure it's the right type of buyer. I maybe first for our, our clients, it's, I just don't want to sell it to anybody. I wanted to sell it to somebody that's going to continue to appreciate what we've uh, done, uh, whether it be the first, second, third generation business, the legacy of the firm understands the importance of the culture we created. Not just, not just, uh, you know, internally, what we've given back to the community, which is paramount to a lot of our clients. And of course, we've talked about this before that my, our employees have a, a home to come to in their second home, basically. They've been with us for a long time. The, the day after we close, there's still a company here that's going to be here and flourish for a number of years. So understanding why a buyer wants to buy your business and what the motivation behind that, you know, it has to go through part of the, the thinking process for our clients. And we, it's our job here at Osage to to vet these buyers, to understand what their motivations are. And so our clients, when we sit with them and talk through them about the various types of buyers we're bringing to the table, that they get a good feel that this is why they're a candidate that could be uh, the eventual owner of the company. So prior to us beginning today, you provided me with some reasons, and I'm going to take you down and make sure that our listeners understand what the pros and cons are, are the various dynamics behind these possible motivations for someone to buy one's company. The first one being growth. They want to grow the company into something bigger than it is today, I take it. So tell me about that. They want to grow their company. Their company. And it being yeah. something bigger than it is today. Right. And so they're looking for, there's, they could be in a saturated market, a low growth market that's mature, and they're going to see continual three to 5% growth rate over the years. But you could be in a aspect of that market, synergistic to them, but it has the potential of a higher growth rate. Mm-hmm. So if they can grow in, organically, internally, 3 5%, and they can buy a company that's going to add another 10% in their revenue growth, that is meeting with their objectives of, of, their, of their management team, their board of directors, and so on. So that's critical to understand that. You just don't want to sell a company to sell a company. You want to sell a company to someone that is going to take it and continue to grow it 
and nourish the business long-term, mm. if that's important to you as a seller. Which takes us to the, the next topic, which is, I take it could be a related one, a, a new product or a new market. I take it we're talking about a strategic transaction here as well. In other words, the, the buyer has some new market they want to get into, or your client has some product that they put out that they'd like to add to their line of products. Is it, is that, am I on the right track there? Yes. You could be a, in a market that covers the Southeastern part of the country. You, you don't have a presence in the Northeast. You don't have the infrastructure in place to, to, to meet the demands of the customer base up there. So they want to see a presence in that market. So by acquiring a company that has a strong presence in that market, it's going to expand their capabilities. And then of course, by doing that, they're going to be maybe able to take some current products that they have and push it into that marketplace as, along with the existing products. And conversely, take products that you may have and expand their capabilities. They may have a very, you could be a, a smaller company with the three or four salespeople internally, maybe a couple outside sales reps. And you cover regionally and you try cover nationally. You do have some national cons, but really you're a, say a regional player. This could be a company that has a significant infrastructure, sales team infrastructure that can take your product to new levels, both domestically and internationally. So that is a big aspect of why a buyer is looking at you. You got a new product that they can add to your line and they can sell it in Europe, in Asia, in South America, et cetera, and or bring it to the West Coast or the East Coast or the Southeast, whatever. Those are, those are areas that are very attractive to buyers, having a much robust, bigger, robust infrastructure, sales infrastructure in, in place to expand your product offerings. Will your client always know the answers to these questions? In other words, it's important to the, the seller to know the fate of their company after they, they no longer own it. And as you're saying, some of these growth new product are going to be things where the, the new owner wants that company to flourish. That would seemingly be a good thing, but how does the, your client necessarily know the true motivations of the buyer? Well, you, you asked a question. It's, it's, you know, that's why you, you know, we work, we're basically in business. We represent our, our clients I, and it's our job to ask those questions, due diligence to buyer. You know, what's your interest level? Why are you interested in our client? And for us to relay back to them why this buyer could be a potential good buyer or not. We have to, we call it filter out the noise because everybody's looking to buy businesses today. And we talked about this previously and there's various types of buyers in the marketplace, strategic, private equity, individual, et cetera, down the line. But it's our job to filter out the noise to see who's real and who's not real. Mm-hmm. And who makes the most sense? Our clients, we always say, run your company, we'll run the process, and then we'll provide you the information you need to make an educated, informed decision. Mm. And by asking those tough questions to the buyers, it allows us to gauge whether or not they're a viable candidate for our client to talk to down the road through our process. 
Yeah, and I guess what I was getting at is you wouldn't want the potential buyer to represent one thing and then not make good on the deal down the road. But it sounds like through your process and getting all this information, you ascertain as much as you possibly can about what, how it's going to go. So. Yeah, first off, you look from a strategic buyer perspective, uh, you, know, you look at who they are, what products they sell or services they offer, and then you can make a, you can't be 100% perfect, but you can make an informed decision or provide the information to our clients, not us. Our job is so they can make an informed decision or informed choice based on talking to multiple buyers. Who's the best buyer for their business? Mm-hmm. And from a private equity buyer, they're looking to grow. So they may be, they may be, they make components for for aerospace, and they have a they have a small piece that does medical, and they want to grow the medical piece. So it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. to buy, buy a company that does medical pieces because they are or, or components because they can then grow their business. So you try to do as much due diligence as you can. You probably much information as you possibly can, can gather or garner from the buyer pool. And then our client can make an informed decision that makes sense to them. Who's the best buyer? Mm-hmm. There's uh, the next topic we'll talk about is one that stands in contrast to what we were talking about before that where a seller may be selling the talent in the company. And so you have a buyer inspired to look at this company because of the, the talent or, or perhaps the intellectual property owned by the current, by your client, Keith. So tell us about that one. It's it, over the year of certainly in recent years, even during this pandemic, finding good quality talent has been a struggle for a lot of companies. So when a buyer is coming in there and they see a strong management team in place that has performed and met challenges over the years, that's going to be important to them. It could be an engineering group. It could be the senior management team. And clearly the people that, you know, are on the factory floor, if it's a, if it's a manufacturing company that, that are experienced machinists, welders, et cetera, it's hard to find those people, even in today's market. Mm. So if I can find the talent to an acquisition that helps me grow my business, not just from a top line, but also from a personnel perspective, human resource perspective, it's, it factors in highly to the, to the motivation behind the buyer. And in addition, just not the talent act, but the, you may have some licensing agreements or, or patents mm-hmm. or processes. It doesn't have to be a patent. It could be a process, how you do things, but even though it's not patented, no one else has been able to duplicate how you do it. And the way you do it is more efficient, more profitable than I can do it. So if I can you know, acquire that understanding and that knowledge and or patents that you hold, that's going to bring value to the buyer and also ultimately increase the price of the business when you sell it. Mm-hmm. The, the next topic to discuss is to increase capacity. So then that, now I'm guessing that means the company, maybe the potential buyer is perhaps a competitor, the same market, and they just want to do more of what they do. Is, is that what that one is? Yeah, exactly. In some respects, I should, I mean, pull back a little bit on that. So sure. the question is that they could be a competitor or they could be, I mean, they may not service the same, same accounts. It could be, right. you may have a, a vendor code with um, Boeing or right. Siemens, big companies that are not easy to get. In fact, most large 
companies over the years have shrunk their vendors they want to work with. So for a new company to go in and try to get a certain vendor code is, is very difficult and a lengthy process. So if you already have that vendor code mm-hmm. with this customer, then now you're in a position where you can now provide products that you could never provide to them through this new association and the relationships that the seller has with the purchasing groups, the buyer groups, et cetera. In addition, they may have been maybe at 80, 90% capacity in their plant and they have more work to do than they can do. So instead of making it, putting a $50,000 50,000 square foot addition on their building and buying equipment and finding people and to make it, they can buy someone down the road or regionally that has excess capacity. Maybe you work today, you're at one shift and if they acquire you, you go to two shifts. Or if you're at 60% capacity with your current plant, they can bring it to 90 to 100% capacity by bringing in new work. And so the capital investment to do that is really in the business versus going out and doing it on your own. So it's a, it's a certainly a highly uh, determining factor in buyer motivation when you move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, the, I jumped the gun on the competition bullet point here because that's the last thing we're going to discuss as uh, potential motivators for buyers. And that is one where I, I guess we're saying it is a direct competitor and this will allow the buyer to, to essentially eliminate the competition by buying them. Is that right? That's correct. You've been a thorn. You could have been a thorn. Back in the day, certain large public corporations were known for buying out, buying out a company just to take their products they haven't, their, their product hasn't made its maturation cycle. So they would mm. buy out the competition and take their products and put them on the shelf mm. just so they won't be in the marketplace. Yeah. So they can get the return on their products. Mm-hmm. But if it is a consideration for buyers and you got to talk to them about it, you figure that out through, through our discussions that they can eliminate you as someone they're competing with. If you're both bidding against each other for the same customer and beating each other up over the last 10, 20 years, if they buy you, that goes away. Now, the customer at the end may not be overly enthused about that. At the end of the day, my prices may go up a bit, but I I re- reduce their sources to find the kind of product they're looking for because I bought my, comp- my competitor. So it mm-hmm. makes sense. I need to take you out. Now, that shouldn't be an overriding reason why you want to sell to a certain buyer, but I'm sure in the back of the buyer's mind, and we, again, through our conversations, we can feel that out and, and garner information regarding that. And our clients will know, certainly when they're being with the competitors, they're trying to take us out to eliminate the competition, mm-hmm. make their job easier. Mm-hmm. So before we depart this episode, Keith, just give us a little peek into your process and are the motivations of potential buyers something that you talk about early in the process? Is it ever changing? Is it How powerful is that in this start-to-finish process that you handle of selling a business? So it all comes back to the goals and objectives of what our clients are looking to do. What's motivating a sale that will determine who the best buyers are? And it's our job, and we go out mainly to a large pool of strategic buyers around the globe, and private equity funds, institutional buyers that 
have different objectives on a transaction. So we run an auction process for our clients and we present them with the various types of buyers that we're talking about here. And through that process, you know, we put together a, a detailed memorandum on the business. We do a one-page profile on the business. We do a video on the business. And once they sign the confidentiality agreement and get the information about our clients, they're going to ask a lot of questions. And what they like about the company, what they don't like about the company. What's, what gives them excited, what doesn't get them excited. And we're going to share that information with our clients. So they're going to become a well-informed, educated seller. Typically, this is the first and only time to go through a transaction. So they understand where the buyers are coming from, what their motivations are, what their concerns are, where they see the opportunity. And then they can make, and then we provide them with choices. We run an auction process. We bring multiple parties to the table at the same time through our, our process, and we present them to our clients. So they understand where the various buyers are coming from. So then they can make an informed decision because the market speaks, like I said earlier, where they like what they don't like. And then the, our clients can make who, who we want to meet with. At that point, we don't let buyers into the doors of our clients until they submit at least an initial bid or indication of a value range where they think it's going to, what they're willing to pay and how it's structured. At that point, then we would set up meetings and invite a certain percentage, a certain number, typically five or six buyers to the table to meet with our clients, just based on this initial process. And then we have meetings face-to-face and then our clients get to meet them and understand them. And literally on every deal that we work on through this auction process, there's one buyer that comes to the table that meets with our clients and our client looks at them and says, I'm not selling my company to this person or this group. I just don't feel comfortable. Mm. It really comes down to the emotional aspect of the training. Mean, what's right for me, what's right for my family. And I just don't see this group as someone that I feel can bring this business to the next level. And that's common, or, even if the price is right. Even if the price is right, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's a, a high determinant factor mm. because it happens in every deal that, you know, we bring five or six people and someone's going to come in there and, yeah, look, for example, someone's going to come in there and the, the, the personalities just don't mesh, which is understandable. It happens all the time. It happens, it happens with you. It happens with me. Sure. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. And as someone says, I just can't do it with this, this group. That's why you give them multiple options. And there could be someone who comes to the table and that we like and thinks it's the right buyer. But they say, look, I like your company, but I'm, t- I'm doing another deal right now. Can you wait a couple, three months? And the answer is we're not going to wait. If we're not impor- that important to you today, how are we going to be tomorrow? How important my employees are going to be to you tomorrow? All right? It just sends a bad message. They don't move forward with that person. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, it really comes down to basically, well, we, we always ask the question, do, we, do you like them? Do you feel comfortable with them? Can you work with them? Those are the type of things that are important. You can lose through the, all the transaction, all the work, all the different conversations. At the end of the day, it's like after you meet with people all night, They've, they've learned about you. You learned about them. Is this someone I think I can work with or someone I like that I think is the right buyer for my for my business or our business? And those are things that we stress highly when we work with clients because it's that's the most critical thing is that you find the right buyer that you feel is the right 
party to bring your company to the next level. Well, that's a great summation of your approach and your philosophy. And for people that want to know more about Osage Advisors and learn about Keith and his team, Keith, why don't you go ahead and remind people how they can get in touch with you? Thanks, Dave. Easiest way to get in touch with us is through our website at osageadvisors.com. That's Osage, O-S-A-G-E, advisors with an S.com. Or you can always uh, feel free to pick up the phone and give us a call. My direct line is 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Again, you can call me anytime at 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Thank you. Very good. Great stuff, Keith. As usual, a reminder to subscribe to this podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling a Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you may find your podcasts on. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you the next time. 